You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. We made it to a Friday. It's a meat Friday at that. I don't even know what the menu is because we have an expert griller in. Usually it's Tyler, the moderator. But uh, we flew in Chad and his lovely assistant, Julie, and they're out there in Traegerville. I know prime rib is on the menu, but other than that, I have not seen the uh, the individual items here. Nobody. No, 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 I, oh. no I got to get to that. Can't wait. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. So Chad is a champion griller from Traeger, and he is in the building. Well, he's outside the building. As I have my monitor here. We have, I don't know how many monitors here. We probably have 20 cameras. So I'm keeping an eye on the grilling area, and Chad's out there with his uh, girlfriend, Julie, and they are, there's all four Traeger grills fired up there. Not sure exactly what we have, but uh, maybe we'll get somebody on it. Maybe somebody in the back room could get me the menu of what we're going to have. Oh, buddy. No, no, not yet. Yes, Paul. You're like watching Mozart back in France yes, a couple I hundred am. years ago. This is great. <laughs> All right. Come on in. Stay a while. We'll talk to Brady Quinn. He joins us on Fridays, and uh, we'll recap what we saw last night. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk will join us. We'll try to make sense of what's going on with COVID, with your teams, and what it's going to be like this weekend. Usually when you have your quarterbacks there, we're okay. It's when you don't have your starting quarterback and you go, wait, Nick Mullins is going to be the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns? What happened to Case Keenum? No, he's in COVID protocol, and he's not allowed to play either. And Baker probably not allowed to play. And Kevin Stefanski probably won't coach. And that's Saturday against the Raiders. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner, and our radio affiliates around the country, including the Fox Sports Radio lineup. Play of the day, stat of the day, poll question, all of that forthcoming. As far as uh, the phone number, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. It wasn't pretty last night, but... Kansas City Chiefs hung tough, beat the Chargers in overtime, taking a commanding lead in the AFC West. You know, the Chiefs' formula is simple. Now, they have played good defense, at times great defense, but it comes down to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. Chargers' defense knew what it was going to come down to and still couldn't stop them. Kelsey was great, nearly 200 receiving yards, game-winning touchdown in overtime. Hill had 148 in a tough touchdown catch. Mahomes... He deserves credit, had a couple of mistakes, but made some big plays. And normally, he'll make these big plays on plays where you go, how did he do it? And then the simple plays, you'll go, how did he not do it? But for the most part, you thought the Chargers were going to be in control. And maybe you thought there's a changing of the guard. Maybe the Chargers are going to be the team to beat in the division. They left a lot of points on the field, going for it on fourth down repeatedly. And they failed many times, too many times. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they showed their resiliency and proved once again, when you have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, you're going to be in any game. As far as the fourth down calls, here's Brandon Staley. He's the head coach of the Chargers. You know, I felt really comfortable with all those decisions. And, uh, you know, the first one, it's a... 
you know, perfect pass. And, and, you know, just you have this this really, you know, tragic thing happen, you know, on the way down. And, uh, you know, the one at the end of the half, I, I, I love that. And, and then it just, you know, we just missed Jared on the stick, you know, and um, that's the way we're going to play around here. That's the way we're going to play. And, um, you know, when we have a quarterback like ours and we have an offense like ours, that's the way we're going to play because that's how you need to play against Kansas City for sure. Um, and that's how uh, we're going to become the team that we're ultimately capable of being is, is by playing that way. It's quite a weapon when you're already in the other team's head where they know there's a certain number of points that the Chargers probably said, we can't kick field goals. Now you score 28 you would think against Kansas City's defense that that would be enough because that's a lot of points this year against that Kansas City defense. In your mind, you're going, we got to score touchdowns, not field goals because Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. I don't know what the analytics say because do the analytics factor in Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill or do they just say, oh, fourth and two at this place on the field in this situation, you got to go for it. Well, if I factor in the analytics and you say I got Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill fourth and two, that's different than say the Chicago Bears going for it on hey, fourth. Hey. Sorry, Paul, it was too easy. So that's why analytics kind of drive me crazy a little bit here, because if you say Brady and Gronk uh, or Zach Wilson and who's ever the tight end of the Jets, so the analytics are going to tell you something. And I know the Chargers do this. I like it. it makes for great TV. But also, when they went for it at the end of the first half, now there's a couple things that happen. When you go for it, fourth and one, fourth and two, and it's at the end of the first half, well, you don't get the benefit of if we don't make it, they start at the one or two yard line because the half's going to end. So that's where you kick a field goal. You've got to come away with points. And I thought that that was a, a really glaring mistake because at the time I said, well, it doesn't matter. Kansas City gets it there at the two. So what? Half's going to end. You're not going to get the ball back. Kick the field goal on fourth down. And it felt like you were moving the ball enough. You got a great quarterback, a couple of great wide receivers, and it felt like you were moving the ball. And But I think in their minds, certainly Brandon Staley's mind, it's like we have to get to 35 points or some magical number. And that's what Kansas City does to you. It's like, oh, my God, this is a shootout. we got to keep scoring. You can't kick field goals. Yes, Eden. It feels like everything you just said, though, are reasons that you go for it on fourth. You have, you have the right players. You have a great offense. You're moving the ball well. Why are we taking the three when we can get the six? But if you don't get it, then you don't get the benefit of they're backed up and we'll get the ball in great field position again. That was my only knock on the fourth. Going for it on fourth was the one time at the end of the first half. The other times, I'm fine with it. I, you know, I would love to play for a coach who believes in the offense. And you really, you're saying you believe in the defense too. But, but that one time, you got to come away with points. The other times, you know, that's, that's his philosophy, and I respect that. Plus, it's great TV. Yes, he. Yeah, I really like that soundbite from Brandon Staley. That like he's he's a guy who has a vision and has a plan and has absolute belief in where him and his team are going as a player I would be like hell yeah and Doug Peterson did this a couple of years ago with the Eagles and won a Super Bowl and I don't know if he was factoring analytics or just factoring in the talent that he had or that's just his philosophy here's Justin Herbert the Chargers QB on not converting fourth downs 
It's always tough, and you'd love to, to be able to convert those, and uh, I think we need to be better on third down so we're not in those situations, but we believe in each other. We believe in the guys in that locker room and that huddle, and we believe in the defense, and so I think that's a statement of trusting everyone on the field and, and off the field as well, and um, you know, we'd love to be put in those situations, and, and unfortunately, we didn't convert as many as we would have liked to have today, but um, you know, it's, we're going to ride with each other, and, and we're going to be right back. And I love that, and that's what I want to hear. And I love that. That's the coaching philosophy. It's just the the fourth and goal at the end of the first half. You got to get you got to get points, and that's where I would have kicked the field goal. This program brought to you by Impeller. Empower your investment portfolio with opportunities in Puerto Rico. Impeller, a new online tool that connects investors with innovative projects on the island. Available now. Impeller is your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico. Learn more at investpr.org/impeller. Get the phone calls coming up. By the way, I do believe that there have been two overtime games in the history of SoFi Stadium, and both have been between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Chiefs have won both. Stat of yeah. the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? stat of the day. Top. Smoked prime rib, Cornish game hen, King crab legs, squash casserole, garlic mashed potatoes, pesto Christmas rolls, smoked salmon. Oh, I'm not done. Cranberry bourbon smash cocktails. No, no. Molasses and snickerdoodle cookies. Who has it better than us? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> wow. That's. Uh, yeah. It's Tyler okay. Tyler got kicked to the curb, though. Chad comes in, all of a sudden takes over the kitchen. Tyler spent all day, all morning playing with my puppy. <laughs> Just mumbling yeah. to Winnie. Yeah. I think, I, I think he's so crazy. Yeah. I cooked yeah. every week in here. That's, <laughs> Winnie, they don't even understand. Yes, McLovin. I don't think this is as good as when Tyler made Sloppy Joe's three okay. weeks ago. Oh, yeah. that's not. Hey. <laughs> You're this, dead man walking, you know? Yeah. You don't have an opinion anymore. I made tofu the last time I had me Friday. <laughs> Although you can take shots if you want to going out the door. Oh, but. yeah. Uh, no, the sloppy joes were awesome, by the way, just to be clear. Wow. That is, I mean, that's a feast. That's a feast of resistance. And you're cooking every week. Nobody even says thank you. Stupid. Every week you know, I'm think, busting my ass. Compared me to Alan and like, the, oh, chicken good, again? Yes. Yeah, did a good job. <laughs> Jerks. Chad comes in. Come on, Winnie. Let's yeah, go get some let's biscuits. Go. Let's go. <laughs> Playing with my puppy. <laughs> let's go eat some biscuits together, yeah. Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good when people say, how good are these dog biscuits that you're selling? Bang biscuits. Tyler eats them. I mean, it's like snacks for him. Yeah, he's crushing them. Sometimes I'll go out there and I'll go, Tyler, what are you doing? He goes, I, I don't know. I was just going to eat a couple of these. I said, those are for the puppy. Yes, McLovin. Can I take one more shot? Yeah. When Chad was in, Alan used to try to pretend he was sort of the equal chef with him. I Did you ever notice that? Oh, yeah. Our IT guy, Alan. And, uh, you know, because I said, oh, you're kind of a sous chef. And he goes, no, chef. I go, oh, okay. Say things like, oh, you're salting that again, huh? <laughs> yeah, okay. Aren't you supposed to be cleaning up after Chad? <laughs> Arms folded, looking around the corner. That's not the way I do it. Yeah. A little armchair quarterbacking, armchair cooking. Oh, brown sugar, huh? It's oh, interesting. okay, all right. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Not very uh, creative. That's the feast that we have here. McLovin, what's the poll question we're going to go with? Okay, 
Yesterday we asked, you could sign one guy for the next 10 years, Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. Did anything happen last night that would change anyone's opinion on that question? No. I mean, I, I, I still... Brady's going to be the MVP. I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback in the NFL, still. I think when he is great, he makes it look easier than anybody else. But if you said I could have Mahomes for 10 more years or Herbert, I'm taking Mahomes. But if you had the first pick and took Mahomes and I get Herbert, I'm fine with that. I think Mahomes can do incredible things. At times, he can't do the normal things, the average things, the regular things. And, and that's concerning because you get caught up in the, well, this is who I am. This is my identity. I'm supposed to do this. People come to expect this. The no-look passes. Okay, you still got to take care of business with the regular items. And at times, it seems like he, he's looking for the big, the big play, the highlight. Yeah, Paul. I look at a guy like Justin Herbert like the Chargers did it. They got it. They're not ha- they don't have to worry about their quarterback situation for a long, long time. Mm. There's only about six teams in the league who have no doubts. Like the Bills have no doubts. You know, the Chiefs have no doubts. But a team like, um, you know, the Rams are okay now, but they weren't with Jared Goff. Jared Goff was good, but not like, well, I, I have doubts. Yeah, but you have Stafford with the Rams, but for how long? You have Rodgers with the Packers for how long? You have Brady with the Buccaneers for how long? Ben... You know, Ben with the Steelers. You know, the Bengals are set. Chiefs are set. Chargers are set. Um, feels like the Cowboys better be set. Mac Jones with the Patriots feel like they're set. I don't think the Jets are set. I don't know if the Bears are set. The 49ers doesn't seem like they're set. The Jags, they're set. Are the Vikings set? Yeah, Seaton. Is this a new segment, Set or Not Set? Set or Not Set. <laughs> Brought to you by. Coming up next, we'll play Set or Not Set. They are so unset. Yeah. Swagoo. Yeah, if you could get a sponsorship, that's all that matters. I remember when we would do Sports Center, and that they thought that they could sponsor the uh, Coors Light six-pack of questions. Six-pack of questions. <laughs> Brought to you by. <laughs> and then they'd bring in John Clayton. Under Army. It was, how do we sell this? And then all of a sudden it became something that was, <laughs> you had an advertiser there. Yeah, Paul. Guys, I only got five questions for Tomlinson. You got to have six. No, you have to have that's six. That's a six pack of questions. <laughs> Brought to you by. Uh, I remember going to management and complaining about the voiceover guy. 40 ounces of info. Yeah, yeah I did. I, and I never met him. I don't know who it is, but it, it just sounded it sounded corny brought to you by 30 you know, years later. Yeah. He's still killing it. And here I am kicking cans to the curb. <laughs> I always like Oberman better. Yeah. <laughs> this talking hairdo is overrated. All righty. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Damn Brett never makes fun of me. Let's uh, take a break. Phone calls coming up. We'll settle on a poll question. The popular you Brady. my tax return. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk to Brady Quinn. He'll join us uh, coming up. He was he was very defensive about the criticisms with Urban Meyer. This is before Urban got fired. We'll see if Brady still feels that way. Uh, we told you we thought Kenny Pickett was not going to play in the Peach Bowl, and it turns out Kenny Pickett is not playing in the Peach Bowl. Kenneth Walker is not playing in the Peach Bowl as well. 
most of your big-time players probably aren't going to be playing in these meaningless bowl games. Once we expand the playoffs, then that's when we're going to have a conversation or controversy. We're taking a break. Uh, We're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Today, Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst, former NFL quarterback and co-host, two pros and a cup of Joe alongside LeBar Arrington and Jonas Knox. You can uh, catch them, Fox Sports Radio, weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. That leads right into our award-nominated program. McLovin, what are the numbers on the Cleveland Browns here? How many starters are listed as out? All right, of the regular units, I'm counting 12 out of 22 are listed as out now on ESPN.com's depth chart. And we're down to the third-string quarterback. Brady, if the Browns needed you this weekend against the Raiders, could you help them if they simplified the playbook? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ironically, I'm, I'm actually in the state of Ohio right now, back home in Columbus. So it, it wouldn't mm. be too hard of a trip to make that happen. So uh, I, anything for the Browns. Now, it might take me a little while to get warmed up, uh, <laughs> but once I get in there, yeah, I, I'd do anything for the Brownies. What do you think is going to happen here? Do we get to the point I, where you know, we have to pause I, the season? I hope not. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not a medical expert by any means, but there was a show called Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. So I will try to put that hat on for a second. Um, You know, at some point we're going to have to handle, and I think the NFL is coming to this conclusion as well as the NFL PA for that matter, asymptomatic cases versus symptomatic cases. And as we move on, you know, if we're going to be putting players out there and the players obviously realize they're at risk at any point in time by choosing to play, um, you know, we need to realize that as much as we can test everything we want, there's still going to be players who still contract the virus through whatever means. Now, we haven't seen a case where it's happened during a game, but obviously during the weeks and practice and then their social time, that's where this is occurring. But the truth of the matter is they're going to have to start letting players play who are asymptomatic. It may sound controversial, but at least to the best of my knowledge and everything I read from medical experts, you're not a risk then to passing it on. And, and, and really, let's be real about this. If a player's asymptomatic but has the flu virus in them, there's countless guys who played. I played in games where I was sick, but still wanted to fight through and play for it. So I understand we want to treat COVID differently because of right now, everything that's happened in the past couple of years, but at some point, every professional sports league is going to have to start looking at it similar to how we've looked at other viruses in the past. Um, but I still don't understand why we can't go to a model where we play on a Tuesday or we play on a Wednesday. Like, I'm the type of guy that loves football. And when we did it last year, I thought it was actually a great experiment to see like, hey, let's start to put games in primetime on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and let's see how they perform. Uh, I personally like that a lot better than cramming a bunch of games at 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock on a Sunday where we could sit down and really have a chance to watch Tennessee or Buffalo like we did a year ago. Uh, and, And for all those gamblers out there, there's probably a little more action too on that specific game. We were just talking about how many teams are set at their quarterbacks quarterbacking position so there's no doubt about it now i'm factoring in the packers with aaron Rodgers. you know that's not going to last much longer ben with the steelers that's not going to last much longer even brady with the buccaneers is maybe you know two or three years away but you got mahomes and you got justin herbert those two teams are set uh you're set i guess in jacksonville with trevor lawrence new england with mac jones um 
Joe you, Burrow, Kyler yes, Murray. Yes. Uh, are you set? Those are the two. Are you set in Cleveland? I think they are. I think they'll eventually end up agreeing to a long-term deal. Now, I might be in the minority there. Now, you didn't mention Josh Allen. He's the other name that and, comes to mind. And Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Um, so those are the two. I, I personally am a Baker fan. I think he will get that long-term deal eventually. Uh, and, and I think they can win with him. And this year, he's playing with a lot of different things going on. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is one in that category. Uh, outside of that, I'm, I'm trying to kind of search through, you know, the Raiders with Derek Carr. He's put up tremendous numbers there. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, given everything he's dealt with on the field, off the field, their roster, the defense has been atrocious. They're better this year, but that's been a team that struggled mightily out around him. He once again doesn't have a number one wide receiver. As good as Darren Waller is, that's still the tight end spot. You still need to compliment to that, much like we saw last night with KC, with, with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So he's another one who I'd throw into that category, I mean, and that may not hit people the right way, but I'm sorry, you, you put him on some of these other teams, I think he's going to have a more successful career in regards to wins and losses. Dak Prescott's also in there. The Cowboys better be set, given what they're paying him. Um, is Seattle set at their quarterbacking position? Well, yeah, I mean, he falls into probably the Ben Roethlisberger category, right? Like, he, they're, they're set for now, but... Ish. You know, I just don't know how ish. I don't know how you leak out what happened last year in the offseason <laughs> and then think that like every offseason you're not gonna have to answer this question until something else happens. And and I but look, I think there's a lot of questions like for the New York Giants. Are they buying into Daniel Jones? Mm-hmm. If not, I am swinging for the fences and fly taking a private jet over to Seattle and seeing what I can work out to get Russell Wilson to the New York Giants. Cause I think there would be mutual interest. Yeah, I think he'd love to be in that market where he's not, you know, caught up in the Pacific Northwest where he can't even get an MVP vote for as good as he's played. Uh, and I think you put him on that team with the roster of talent they have out around him and an offensive line that struggled. But I think through the draft next year, they could get better. But also his mobility can make it better. I just think he all of a sudden skyrockets the Giants back up to where they want to be. And that's probably competing for a division at Super Bowl. Would you take Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? Oh, that's a tough question. Oh, man. I mean, well, how many games are on Monday Night Football? <laughs> so if I don't have him in prime time, you're going to take Kirk. One o'clock games. Kirk Cousins. One o'clock games. Kirk Cousins, man. He's lights out one o'clock. I mean, I'm just telling you what history tells us. Like, what is he, one and nine on Monday he's, night? It's an it, odd stat. He's but... lights on, not lights out. Yes. Yeah, he's lights well on. I mean, there is something to everyone's circadian rhythm, right? Not to like try to talk about people's heads, but maybe he's just like better planned for those one o'clock games, maybe even four o'clock games than prime time on Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. All right, let's dissect last night. I mentioned a couple of things that I'm, I'd love that the Chargers go for it on fourth down. I, I think it sends a great message to your team that this is who we are and I have confidence in you. The going for it on fourth down at the end of the first half, I didn't understand because if you don't make it, then you have the Chiefs in horrible position. Well, the the half is ending, Brady. It's over. You got to kick a field goal in that situation. The other ones, you want to go for it, fine. We can maybe nitpick on the play calling. But I had a problem at the end of the first half not getting three points. And and I wonder how much the, the fourth down earlier that was dropped that they could have converted for a touchdown, how much of that, that played into it, right? Like they should have 
scored a touchdown that they should have yeah. converted that and, and thoughts and prayers too. obviously hope the player's okay. But you know, the reality is I wonder how much of that played a factor into the feeling of all that. Cause I'm with you. I'm thinking in my head, just take the points, move on to the second half. This isn't the time to, to take that risk necessarily, but you know, you also have Justin Herbert as your quarterback. And, and I think the message he is sending and, and you're right. It's the, it's the entire team. Like it's the Justin Herbert in your offense saying, we think that highly of this kid, we're going to give him four downs in a lot of circumstances, not three. And that might change the way we look at football or how teams approach us, but it, it's going to change the way I think a lot of pe- people look at football, especially when you got a quarterback like Justin Herbert. But it's also telling your defense, if we don't get it, we believe in you yeah. being able to get us the football back to this guy. So, But explain the analytics, message. though, Brady, because analytics don't factor in. It's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill going for it on fourth down. You know, if, if it's is, the Jets is, or Jacksonville, you can't use the same analytics. I personally hate even the analytics conversation because I think it's too nuanced. There's too many variables. Yeah. I mean, for starters, your game plan alone changes drastically week to week with the personnel groupings you want to try to utilize to find that matchup versus your opponent, their scheme, you know, depending on what type of cover three zone they play, teams play them differently. So how you go about preparing those route concepts are differently. The blitz packages are different. So in all those scenarios, and you better believe on fourth down in particular, we would, you know, we would put on the game plan, got to have it plays. There's some teams who are going to bring the house depending on where you're at, especially down in the red zone. There's some teams who are going to play all covers. They're going to drop eight. So you have different, you know, a different preparation for each one of those. So there's so many variables just with your opponent and that situation, let alone your own personnel and who's out there and that matchup and how your personnel matches up against them. And, and then injuries and everything else and, and flow of the game. I think last night's decision by Brandon Staley was more flow of the game. He saw earlier, like, hey, we should have had that. It should have been a touchdown. Yeah. We feel confident about what we're seeing. Let's go for it here. And, and by the way, we are playing the Chiefs. So maybe if they're playing the Jets, as you said, you take the points, you move on. But because it's the Chiefs, you kind of feel like we have to take these chances of scoring touchdowns. We can't afford to take our foot off the gas at any point in time. Yeah, and I understand that, that the Chiefs get in your head more than any other team in the NFL where you go, we got to get, get touchdowns, not field goals. And I understand that philosophy. But at the end of the first half, I got to have points. I don't want to go in that locker room going, man, we failed on fourth again. Do you, did Patrick Mahomes have a great game, good game, or just okay game last night? Uh, I thought he had a good game. I thought he had a good game. I don't know that I called it a great game. I thought the fourth quarter was, was great for him there to, towards the end. I mean, besides one, one pass in particular, it's going to get a lot of play. I mean, it's funny. You, know, you can have a great game. But as a quarterback, when you have that one bad pass that like easily was a layup for you and you miss it, you burn it into the ground like that, it's hard to ever come away saying it was a great game. Like you could, you could barely miss it. You could be just off. Maybe you feel better about it. But when it looks that bad, when it's that wide open, I don't know that you'll ever come away saying it was a great game. So it, look, it was a good win. It was a good game for him. Uh, but the scary thing is I still think like the best is ahead for yeah. this team and for this offense right now. Okay, if I said, Patri- you know, Patriots got the Colts coming up this weekend on Saturday. Better team right now in the AFC, Patriots or the Chiefs? Chiefs. I just, I think they're too talented, the run that they're on right now. I, I love, like, I love everything that, you know, Bill Belichick has done this year. I, I think, you know, I'm kind of in the Cliff Kingsbury category where you can probably give it to Bill Belichick every year. But this, at least in my lifetime, may be the best coaching job that he's done because of everything he did back in the offseason. The way this defense has come along this year, bringing along Mac Jones and then just, you know, getting Mac Jones where they got him. They didn't have to trade up to get him. 
They sat where they were, they take them, and they plug them in an offense that plays to all the strengths, and they surround them with some playmakers, which obviously was needed. But, you know, I, I kind of look at where they are right now, and I, and I wonder, you know, can they beat an Indianapolis team that's going to try to run the football down their throat, create some big plays in the past game with Carson Wentz? Uh, and it's hard to buy into that, where if, if the Chiefs are playing the Colts, I don't have any reservations about, you know, looking at the Colts. Colts are probably – or excuse me, the Chiefs are probably favored in that matchup. You know, whereas now you're looking at the Patriots, they're a two-and-a-half-point underdog. So that, that's where I think the difference is when you compare those two teams right now is the Chiefs get the benefit of the doubt because of how explosive their offense can be. The best team in the NFC right now is? Green Bay Packers. Okay. I think the way they're playing right now, I'd, I'd put them in that category. I mean, the Bucs are, are, are right up there too. It's kind of hard to say that. And you could have made that argument for the Cardinals, but it was a pretty damning loss on Monday night. I mean, they got physically beat up. That, that score wasn't indicative of how that game felt just watching it. And really from the first stat where Aaron Donald wanted to kind of prove a point, uh, like people, people maybe forgot about me as far as this discussion <laughs> of the best defensive player in the NFL. Like Michael Parsons has been phenomenal, but it's like, hey, I've been here for a while. I've won multiple awards for this. Uh, don't forget about me either. So that, uh, that made me feel like, hey, maybe we should worry about the Rams all of a sudden becoming a sleeping giant as they build some momentum moving forward. He's Brady Quinn, the uh, former Notre Dame and Cleveland Brown quarterback. He's uh, with two pros and a cup of Joe. That's the uh, morning program on Fox Sports Radio with LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. I want to be fair to you with the Urban Meyer quote that you had. Uh, This was prior to him getting fired, um, but you were... I think basically calling out the media that were being unfair to Urban Meyer. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. That's why I'm going to, I'm going to leave it to you to explain what you meant by it. Yeah. I think the quote I had got taken out of context a little bit because I said it was applied to all college football coaches anytime. And you can look at the track record for Cliff Kingsbury, go back and look at the quotes when he first got there, people question, Hey, why does he deserve to be here? He had, didn't have success at the college level at Texas Tech. Why should he be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? You know, we, we tend to question those guys. Matt Rule, you know, why is he here? You know, why is he in Carolina? Which, you know, looking at what he did from year one to year two, they've already equated the same amount of wins. The quarterback position has kind of been a disaster this year, yet they still end up probably improving, having at least one or two more wins when it's all said and done than they did a year ago. And so I always just wonder why the media tends to be so negative or pessimistic about the opportunity for a college coach to come in and do the job. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that just from playing in the NFL that there's not drastic differences between the two. And you might need to give that college coach a longer leash, a la look at Cliff Kingsbury. How about them apples? How's that working out right now? But I think that was the similar, that was the similar statement I'd make for Urban Meyer is there are people doing victory laps right now, Dan, like they're going back for a fifth year of college because he got fired. I'm like, I don't know what head coach in 13 games, who might I add, he did surpass their win total from a year ago, is turning around that organization. They've been a bad organization for a while. They've drafted in the top 10 every year since 2008. They're not, they haven't been a good organization, a good football team for a while, with the exception of one miracle season, they go to the AFC Championship game. And so to think that in 13 games, a coach who's never coached at that level before is going to figure it out. I mean, call it naive, call it whatever you want, but the reality is no one gave Urban Meyer a chance on the way in with at least the, the way the media talked about him. And what that means is they never gave him a chance to make mistakes. Now, granted, he made a lot of mistakes, like especially some of the public ones and things that you know he has owned up to. 
and the things that he did. But I think Shad Khan had to have realized when he hired him, and he pursued him, by the way, for a while. I can <laughs> trust me on that. I think he, he, he had to have realized what he was getting himself into. Like, this wasn't going to be like a hey, year, year one turnaround. Maybe not year two. Maybe by year three or four. So, you know, there's a lot of parts to blame in all of this. But I think how the media in general treats college football coaches trying to come to the NFL level and make that jump, to me, is always with this air of, of pessimism. And meanwhile, we give other coaches passes, like Zach Taylor, who what, won six games his first two years. And that, what were his qualifications coming into it? Now, they look better now in large part because of Joe Burrow on that roster, but it's just odd how we handle the two. But also, it's, it's really inside the organization that I think people had a problem with. It was Urban's style. And, you know, you can, you can – nobody said anything about Zach Taylor and his personality in Cincinnati. But then the expectations weren't where Urban was. We expected, oh, here comes Urban. Okay, mastered college. He's going to do it in the NFL. It was the personality traits that came out. I didn't think he was the right guy for the job. I don't think he's a pro coach. You got to get somebody who understands how to develop, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Said that from the beginning. Ryan Day would have been a better coach than Urban Meyer with Jacksonville. And I firmly believe that. Not even factoring in the personality part of this. He's younger and he'll develop a quarterback better than Urban would. It's the personality traits that came out, Brady. And I think that's where people had a real problem. Well, first off, I'll say this. He's had success everywhere he's, he's gone. Yes. So the biggest issue was you can get away with coaching pretty much whatever way you want when you win. But when you're hard on people, players, coaches as well, and people in the organization in this case, and you're not winning, that's when it becomes an issue. Because winning cures all illnesses. You can have a terrible working relationship with someone, but if you're hitting your quota in sales or you're making a bunch of money or you're winning football games, you can deal with it. Like, life's good. But in this case, that wasn't the case. Everyone feels miserable. And, and look, I was on you know, bad football teams in the NFL. And, and it's a hard, hard thing to deal with on a week-to-week basis when you're not winning football games. It really is. And so I think one of the hardest things that he had to figure out and learn, and he never got enough time, time to do it, was how to lose, like how to learn from your losses. Like that's like a great life lesson for people. Yeah. It's like, it's not the worst thing to lose. It's just, you got to learn from it. And he never really lost. I mean, what was he like 187 and 32 in his college career coaching? I mean, think about that. That's staggering. And the NFL, you know, nowadays with, with 17 games, right? You're 10 and seven, you're in the playoffs. And you've, you've nearly lost half the amount of games you played. Nine and eight may even make it, who knows? But that's the reality is, I don't know that he ever was given time to figure that out in 13 games. And, and I don't, you know, maybe that's more of the question. I think the other thing you point out though about Ryan Day is Ryan Day is more of hands-on with things. He's not like the CEO type coach. He's going to be a part of the play calling. He's going to be a part of that quarterback room and developing CJ Stroud or whoever the next quarterback will be at Ohio state or whoever's already been there. You know, coach Meyer has more of a CEO type mentality. He lets his coaches coach, but they have to bear the responsibility for the decisions that they make and how their installs, their scheme, what they're going about doing. What's he and do that's next? The other what, what's Urban do next? Well, I would not. I mean, I don't know. He'd probably join us at Fox at some point. I mean, that, that would be my guess. You know, he at some point he comes back onto our desk. Um, I, I don't know that I reached out to him. Haven't heard back from him yet, which obviously I'm sure he's he's dealing with a lot. But if Bob uh, Stoops is, is Bob Stoops is leaving the Fox pregame show, right? 
Wait, I, I, I mean, if he was, I don't know that. I mean, that'd be news to me. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we create another chair for him. Or if Coach Stoops did leave, then I assume, you know, there'd be a spot there for Coach Meyer. Maybe they'd add a spot for him. I don't know. Um, I enjoyed working with, with him. I enjoyed working with Coach Stoops. So well, you said you, uh, wanted to get, you wanted to get rid of Leinert so you could get Leinert out of there and then you could put <laughs> Stoops in. I, first off, Matt and I are probably the closest up there on the set together, so oh, don't go trying to drive. You can say that. Like you that. can say that publicly. What we talk about behind the scenes, my bad. <laughs> Should have stayed off the record. Yeah, by the way, by the way, Dan, thanks for the Christmas card. It really was heartfelt that you decided to reach out and send us a Christmas card. You so are welcome. You, you are welcome. Yeah. I can't That's keep how track. Close we are. I can't keep track of all the houses that you have. You know, you're, you're all. <laughs> Yeah, all over the place. All the places you played, you know, that's like ten places. So you got a house in Seattle and who knows, you know, L.A., Florida, Ohio. Yeah, that was actually I never owned a place in Seattle, but that was probably the most difficult moving out from that place because uh, the place I was renting, the landlord was really upset about it. And I remember saying to the landlord, I'm "Like, you think you're upset? Like, I've never been <laughs> cut before. How do you think I feel? Like." I've, I've been in the NFL seven years now. It's the first time I've been cut. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 30. Like, how do you think I'm feeling? Right? You think I'm worried about whether or not, like, you get your deposit back? I don't care. I'm, I'm trying to figure my life out right now, you know? But the, the, this landlord was like, oh, I, I'll, you know, now you're not trying to get out of the lease. I was like, yeah, I'm not living here anymore. I'm going to play for the Jets. Like, give me a break. Can you at least have a little sympathy for the situation? Thank you, bud. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, have fun in Ohio. Will do. Thank you, man. That's Brady Quinn. Two pros and a cup of Joe. LeVar Arrington, Jonas Knox. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Greatest rock and roll drummer of all time. John Bonham. Not a great concert, though. Because then he went on a drum solo, and it went for like 20 minutes, and I went, I think I'm going to go get a beer. Robert Plant, great lead singer. Jimmy Page, while he's a great guitar player, not a charismatic guitar player. But it was Zeppelin. Yeah, Paul. Did you see Zeppelin multiple times, or was it once? Once. How old were you? Uh, just out of high school. So that was peak Zeppelin, yeah. no offense. Yeah, yeah. And the Stones, I saw them. It was peak Zeppelin. Uh, in the 70s, I saw Stone Zeppelin, who, Bowie, and Aerosmith. So, you know, pretty good run there of seeing bands when they were at their peak, or at least the perception was they were at their peak. Yes, Paul? Back in the 70s, when you went to a concert, was it the tradition of, they wrap up their set, you clap, and they come back out. Was that always, even back then, there was yeah. an encore? Yeah. But we had festival seating. And and that's what was different because you'd line up, you'd get there early, and then first come, first serve. Which, I don't know who came up with that, 
But you have, and of course, I had tickets to that fateful night when 11 people died in Cincinnati trying to get into the Who concert. You know, that's another one. of the, They had two entrances, and people were storming the doors to get in, and 11 people died. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Update the poll results, then we'll get to the popular Mike Florio. Okay, which team is least set at quarterback? Your choices being the New York Giants, Detroit Lions, Carolina Panthers, Texans, Oh, and then we put the Eagles on there. And the Washington's winner, on there, too. Yep, and the winner is the Texans, followed closely by the Steelers. Yeah, but we know that the Texans are going to have a new quarterback. It's when you have a quarterback and you're not quite sure if he is the quarterback. So take the Texans out. We have to put Washington in. Yeah, because the Saints don't feel like they're set. The Giants don't feel like they're set. Even though they have it, the Lions don't feel like they're set. Let's bring in Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host, Football Night in America. More teams who are set at quarterback or not set at quarterback for the future? Oh, more that are, but every year now we're seeing this churn of teams who are deciding, yeah, we have a guy who's good enough, but we can do better. We want one of the best guys. We're going to upgrade from the guy we have who's maybe on the fringes of the top 20, and we're going to go try to get somebody better, whether it's through the draft get yourself in position to get one of these rookies that comes in and takes the league by storm or make a big play for one of the big names that's going to be out there this year, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. So I think that teams are more willing than ever before to give up the bird in the hand, even if the bird in the hand isn't all that bad. Well, I wonder what the Lions do if Kenny Pickett grades out as he's the best quarterback and the Lions are on the clock number one pick you have Jared Goff but do you pass on Kenny Pickett I think you hey look if if Pickett is the guy and the Lions have that pick I think that's what they have to do not that having Matthew Stafford for a decade made much of a difference but this is a team that is trying to completely rebuild identity change culture in a dramatic way it's not just Dan Campbell it goes all the way to Chris Spielman he's the guy who's kind of the overlooked straw that is stirring that drink the old school mentality that's where the bite your kneecaps comes from it doesn't come from Campbell it comes from Spielman so Goff isn't that guy Goff was the guy that they took on in order to get two first round picks and a third round pick from the Rams as part of the Stafford deal Goff was the you get an extra first rounder if you take this guy off of our hands and take his contract so I I think they have to be looking quarterback Goff is clearly not the guy and if Pickett is Pull the trigger and off you go. I wonder, Mike, if Russell Wilson and the Seahawks maybe have a formula that's sim- similar to what the Lions and Matthew Stafford had. And that is, let's just agree to part. Can you send me to one of these teams and get the most in return? Let's work together on this and maybe have something behind the scenes where it's amicable, sort of, and you guys go in your opposite directions. What do you think? Well, I I agree, and I think that Russell has been trying to do that. The way that things got 
got kicked up last year in the offseason. He comes on your show, and it's obvious he's not happy at that point. His agent says, my client doesn't want to be traded. But if he were to be traded, he would accept the trade to the Bears, the Cowboys, the Raiders, or the Saints. I mean, it's obvious where this is going. I think it's premature to start identifying teams. I know there was some reporting last week to that effect. There's a lot that has to happen before we know where coaches are going to be, where quarterbacks are or aren't going to be. But I agree with you. The time has come for a big decision to be made in Seattle, whether that's we're going to move on from the coach and bring in somebody who's handpicked to make Russell happy, or whether it's we're going to keep the coach and we're going to let Russell move on, or both. We're just going to hit the reset button and start over. And I think what happens the next four weeks, Dan, is going to be a factor in that because they still have a chance to get over 500. They have a chance to sneak into the postseason field. Much different vibe if that's the end result of this season than what it looked like a couple of weeks ago when they were in crash and burn territory. Any games in jeopardy of being postponed? No, absolutely not, because the league's not going to do it. They're not going to do it. The commissioner said it Wednesday. They are not going to postpone these games. And one thing I'm trying to find out, and the league is being very elusive on this, shockingly, what is the minimum number of players that a team is expected to put in uniform. 48 is the maximum that you can have on game day. You got 69 on the roster. So you already have a 21 person buffer. So when I hear 10 guys on COVID, 15 guys on COVID, you got the ability to call up all of your practice squad guys. You can still get to 48. Once you start getting below 48, 45, 40, 35. Where's that number? It's almost like a reverse price is right game. Where's that number where the NFL says that's not enough? Where the union says that's not enough? And would they postpone a game if the Browns have fewer than 30 players who can dress? I don't know, and the league won't say. And part of me thinks, Dan, that they've got some double secret procedure that they would invoke where basically they can pull guys out of the stands and put them in uniform to get the games in because they're getting the games in. That's one thing that's clear. They're not giving up the ticket money. They're not giving up the TV money. And Dan, this Browns-Raiders game especially, it's one of the NFL Network exclusive games. They have a minimum number of games that have to be exclusive to NFL Network to justify the subscription rates for cable, satellite, streaming. They got to have that game on there. They are playing these games. The question is, how good will these games be? How many guys will be in uniform? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure this out. It felt like there was a disconnect with the NFL and the NFL Players Association. So what is the solution, you think, that they're going to – are they able to come to some kind of agreement that over the, the final month of the regular season, this is what we're going to do when it comes to COVID? Well, they've reached an agreement on the return to play ability for a player who is vaccinated, asymptomatic, and positive what you need to do to come back. It's not as stringent. It doesn't take as long to come back. Now, look, I've been saying for weeks now that if a player is vaccinated and positive and totally asymptomatic, there's no reason to keep them from playing. We've gotten to the point in this pandemic where we can evolve our thinking to a point where we say they're not transmitting it on the field. Look at all the fans in the stands. There haven't been outbreaks. Fans are in the stands, and surely plenty of them are positive. And you know how the masks are worn, dipped down over the chin. I, it's, it, and, and it's not a problem. It doesn't transmit in stadiums. It doesn't transmit in domes. It's not a problem there. And at some point, they need to address that because the idea that you have healthy players who just happen to be positive for this virus, who are vaccinated, that you're just not going to let them play, that, that undermines the integrity of the game. How can it not? 
if you're not going to have the best players available for reasons unrelated to injury or true actual illness. That's where this needs to move in 2022. I doubt that it gets there this year, but that's where this has to go because we know this thing isn't going anywhere. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. Uh, who would get a head coaching job sooner, Urban Meyer or John uh, Gruden? Which league? Any- USFL's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think that that it'd be easier for Urban Meyer just because he didn't leave with that same stain of the language in the emails that Gruden had to walk out the door, basically tattooed to his resume forever. Meyer still denies, for example, kicking kicker Josh Lambeau. He denies getting into a heated argument with Marvin Jones. He denies calling his assistant coaches losers. So it's harder to wrap your hands around one thing that Urban Meyer did that makes him permanently and forever toxic. And he's got, uh, I'm, look, look, he deserved to be fired. He never should have been an NFL head coach, but he's one of the great college coaches of all time. And there's a lot of college programs out there. And uh, there's going to be somebody that's thinking, hey, we may get this guy, right place, right time, and uh, he comes in for a final act of his career of redemption that makes us a hell of a lot of money along the way. This just in that uh, Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen now on the uh, COVID list. So I guess it's uh, Garrett Gilbert who's going to be playing. This is why that point spread has gone from 4 to 10 against the Eagles. This is what you're going to have on national TV. Kyle Shermer is another quarterback that they have. Garrett Gilbert, one of the many backup quarterbacks out there where you can interchange the last name and the first name, <laughs> and it all makes sense. And, and when you're down to that level of quarterback, you have a problem. But, mm. it, Dan, the league doesn't care. They don't care that it's going to be a debacle of a game. They don't care that it's going to be fatal potentially to Washington's playoff hopes. They're not going to move that game. They're not going to do anything to jeopardize the flow of cash into the coffers. It's that simple. And, and it's, it's unfortunate, but that, that's their current attitude and approach. And it just doesn't fit with the current state of the pandemic where this latest variant apparently is ridiculously contagious, but also... Uh, Ron Rivera said today on radio in D.C. that 80% of his guys who are positive have no symptoms at all. Is there any update on Deshaun Watson? There is, and I'm glad you asked about him because he's, he's been forgotten since the trade deadline came and went. They're expecting some sort of a resolution to the grand jury proceeding by the end of January. And that kind of fits with the NFL's offseason timeline, although the quarterback carousel gets started mid to late January. We saw it last year with Matthew Stafford. Teams are going to start making decisions. It could be misdemeanor charges that ultimately are filed against Deshaun Watson, not felonies, which would be a, a difference from the league standpoint. But as to the civil lawsuits, I was told last night, and this is how close that the Miami Dolphins came to getting Deshaun Watson because the Dolphins wanted these civil lawsuits to be resolved. There are 22 of them. 18 of the plaintiffs were ready to go. Four of them held out, and that's what derailed the settlements, and that's what derailed the trade to Miami. Miami wanted them all gone. They weren't content to have 18 gone and four left. They wanted them all gone. If those last four had come around, he'd be a Dolphin right now. But is Tua playing himself into that franchise quarterback role here? Well, Tua did what he needed to do. 
He was upset about the ongoing distraction and the talk and the chatter, and just it wouldn't go away. Well, once the trade deadline went away, then the talk ended, and Tua has strung one win after another together, and now they're going to have a tougher decision to make. You know, his durability is what concerns me over the long haul, but he's playing better. He did what he needed to do. You know what? If you don't like the fact that they're talking about Deshaun Watson, go out there and be Deshaun Watson. Be better than Deshaun Watson. That's the Tom Brady attitude. Get a chip on your shoulder and a stick up your ass and go out there and play better and make them unable to consider bringing in a better quarterback because you are the better quarterback. Uh, the mothership reported that it's uh, unlikely, according to sources, Diana Rossini saying this, that uh, your good buddy Aaron Rodgers won't be back with the Packers. Um, I don't know what that means, that even if he wins the Super Bowl, that he's not coming back. Um, is this Rodgers' decision, Packers' decision, mutual decision, any decision at all, Mike? I mean, we entered the season as if it was his last year. Yeah. We, we, we've known this. It's going to take something big to reverse it. And Like what? Well, I, I, I really do. Can you, if you are Aaron Rodgers and you are extremely sensitive about how you're perceived by the fan base, can you win a Super Bowl and say, see you later? Maybe you can't. Maybe, the, maybe they're fine with it. Hey, thank you. You gave us one on the way out the door. Via con Dios and just don't go play for another team in our division or in our conference. I, I, I just think that, just like with Russell Wilson, the end result to this year is going to be a factor in whether or not it continues. Now, we know next year will be the last year because of his contract, because he becomes a free agent after 2022. But we went into this year assuming that this is it. And, you know, the, the, the whole the, the vaccine thing, and I've been immunized, and the but they're still really good. And they got a glimpse of Jordan Love and I'd want to keep Aaron Rodgers. I'd want to find a way to make him happy and keep him around. I mean, for all the headaches that he brings, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Why would you want to move on from him? Why would you not want to do everything you could to convince him to stick around? Why would you want to leave that division if you're Aaron Rodgers? Right? I mean, well, Minnesota is stuck in neutral. The Bears aren't good. The Lions aren't good. And, you know, do I, I, I think he ends up in Denver. You know, I think they've geared up for this and, and maybe that's where, you know, he wants to go, but it feels like you're going to have Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. And the, you know, those are pretty good prizes. If you don't get one, you get another one there. But I, I just feel like Rodgers is going to be a good soldier, do everything you asked me to do. And, uh, you know, remember, you had guys who covered the Packers on a daily basis. Rob Domofsky covers them for the mothership. Said 5% chance he was coming back. And I went, he's coming back. The question is, how long does he stay? And I think we were in agreement, he was going to be there one year, no matter what happens this year. Let's not rule out this possibility, Dan, that we're being grifted by Aaron Rodgers, that he just wants to be the topic of conversation that he wants us to be talking about him, that he hmm. wants to be the center of attention, and maybe he ultimately does come back to the Packers next okay. year. Okay. And it, it, if so, mission accomplished. Hang the banner behind George W. Bush. Mission accomplished, really, and truthfully, he is the center of attention. We talk about him all the time. I mean, look at his toe injury. 
He's pissed off because people on the coaching staff supposedly are telling people about his toe. He's showing the damn thing on camera. <laughs> Every time he talks, he's talking about his toe injury. Hey, everybody, I have a broken toe. He's almost as bad as Ben Roethlisberger. And speaking of Roethlisberger, I mean, I'm intrigued by the Steelers as a destination for Rodgers. Because why would you go to Denver? Didn't you watch the game last night? They got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in that division. But, but boy, the idea of Aaron Rodgers, just about 100 miles up the road from me, I could go up and have a permani sandwich Ooh, with him once a week and yeah, hang out. Because you two are buddies. buddies. Yeah, you, guys... you know what's funny, Dan? He and I have a lot more in common than he would ever admit. I, I understand him because I'm a lot like him. Hopefully, well, not, not in the football way and not necessarily in the good personality trait way. So, But you're, I understand You're both Aaron know-it-alls. Rogers. You're both know-it-alls. Exactly, exactly. Uh, both married. You want to see my toe? Yeah, uh, yeah it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you both love to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you... He's good for business. Oh, my God. You should have seen our numbers for November. He's great for business. Aaron, I said, I said during the height of the whole I'm immunized and all that other stuff, I hope he never retires. I hope he stays with the Packers until he's 60. I hope it's every year this drama. He's great for business. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Great to talk have to you. Weekend, all Mom. right. You See too, you. buddy. That's Mike Florio. He's not afraid. Pro Football Talk Live co-host and, of course, contributor to Football Night in America.